for you today, and uh, this time we're going to be listening to a really fantastic speaker named Fred Markert, and he's going to be sharing some exciting stories, particularly about uh, Morocco this time, and a little bit about Egypt, and later on some other places in the world, exciting things that God's doing, not just CNN news, bloody news about murders and all this kind of stuff, but actually God news which is miracles and awesome things that God's doing in people's lives, changing people's lives around the world. It doesn't matter if they're Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, or whatever. God loves them, and God is transforming their lives and uh, doing exciting things and spreading the gospel message of the love of Christ all over the world. And so let's listen to this exciting story about what's going on in Morocco. about Morocco, the country that's right next door to Algeria, also a Muslim country, radical Muslim country, okay? Uh, they hate the gospel. King Hassan, who just died a couple years ago, he's a direct descendant of the prophet Muhammad, see? And so is his son, who's now the king. And so uh, let me tell you about Morocco here, radical Muslim country. Well, guess what, you guys? Northern Africa and the Arabic world, they love Hispanic people and they love black people because they consider those people their cousins. They're not so happy about white faces like me, but love Hispanics and blacks. And so part of being strategic in world missions is that we have to find the appropriate missions force to go to certain parts of the world. And the reason they consider Hispanics their cousins is when the Muslims conquered Spain, the cultures mixed for 600 years in Spain. And 200 words in Arabic are exactly the same as Spanish. And 2,000 Spanish words have the same root as the Arabic. And the architecture is the same. If you go to a, a Hispanic village and see how they build their houses, and then you go to a village out in uh, like the Middle East, it's exactly the same. So the Muslims consider, wow, those Hispanics are our cousins. And they also love blacks, like from Africa. So especially the most appropriate mission force for the whole Arabic world, from Morocco all the way across the Middle East, are Hispanics and blacks, of course. So in our ministry, we go specifically to the Latin world to recruit Hispanics, and we go to like the inner cities in America and to Africa to recruit blacks in order to go to the Muslim world, the Arabic Muslim world, the 22 Arab countries. I'll tell you one story. A friend of mine, we'll call him John, uh, he was from inner city Los Angeles, of area called Watts, he got a vision for missions, came for training. We sent him down here to Agadir, this city in southern, uh, southern Morocco, to preach the gospel. The first day John's there, he's just like you. I guarantee you, this guy is just like you guys. He was sitting in a DTS classroom just like this. He got a vision and call to go to Morocco, goes to Agadir. The first day he's there, he's sitting at a bus station saying, God, I need an apartment to live in. 
I just want the right apartment. Show me where you want me to live. As he's praying that, this Moroccan man comes and sits down next to him and starts to talk to my friend John in French, which is part of their lang- one of their national languages, because my friend looks like a Moroccan. See, blacks and Hispanics look Moroccan to them. And so John says, oh, I can't speak French yet. This is my first day in the country, you know. And the man was surprised. He said, oh, you look like a Moroccan. He said, where are you from? And he says, I'm from, I mean, John. He says, I'm from, I'm from Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, man, I, that shouldn't have gone on the tape. Uh, he said, I'm from Los Angeles. And the guy said, what are you doing here in my country? And my friend John said, well, I've come to live here uh, to talk to you about the life that comes through Jesus Christ, you know, that the life of God through Jesus Christ. And the guy says, oh, we're all Muslims here. You know, and he said, uh, but you know what? He said, I can relate to you. He said, because I know about the black people in your country, I know that you are oppressed, that you're an oppressed people. And he said, down here, the Moroccans that live in this part of Morocco, we are the oppressed people of Morocco. Because the people groups in Morocco are called Berbers. Haven't you ever heard Berbers? Okay. So down here, it's Kabili Berbers. Up here, it's Reefy Berbers. Oh, no, this is, uh, this is Ishalhain Berbers, Reefy Berbers, Kabili Berbers, all kinds of Berbers. <laughs> okay, like Baskin-Robbins, 32 flavors. And he said, the Ishalhain Berbers, we are also the oppressed people in Morocco. So we're brothers, you know. We under- I understand the oppressed blacks in America. And my friend John looked at him and said, I am not oppressed. I am the most free man alive because in my heart lives Isa al-Masih. That's how you say Jesus the Messiah in, in Arabic. He said, Isa al-Masih lives in my heart and he has brought freedom to me. Freedom does not come from the outside, how other people treat you. Freedom comes from the inside, what is in your heart. And Isa al-Masih lives in my heart. And this, this Moroccan man looks at my friend John and goes, Oh! This is a great message that we can have freedom from the inside. He said, I must hear more of this message. He said, I have an empty apartment at my house that I own. And he said, would you come and live in this apartment for free to tell me more about freedom through Isa al-Masih? And my friend John said, I could do that. And he moves into the apartment with the man and for the next week just spends time sharing about Christ. Well, the man at the end of the week says, you know what my job is? I'm a professor at the university in town. This is a major university center. And he said, every one of our Muslim students should hear this message of freedom through Isa al-Masih. And he set up an assembly. He called together all the students, 4,000 Muslim students, came to hear my friend John preached the message to all of them in the university about freedom through Isa al-Masih, He gave an altar call and 40 Muslims came forward in the university and gave their hearts to Jesus. In fact, here's a picture of my friend John right here and three of the Moroccan dudes that got saved that day who are now leaders in the underground church in Morocco. See, that's the kind of thing our God can do. And John, I guarantee you, is no different than you guys. I know him. He is a total bozo just like I am. He is a sinner. He is weak. He is frail. He is exactly like you. The only difference between John and you guys is John got on a plane and decided to go to Morocco. He is no different than you. He is exactly like you. If God can do this through him, 
He can do it through you. And there's all sorts of other stuff happening in there through his ministry I can't tell you right now. Let me tell you another one. Okay? Oh, God, is so cool. <laughs> I want to tell you a story from Casablanca up here, which is a great movie. <laughs> but this is an even better story. <laughs> there was a Mexican girl. We'll call her Mary. Okay? Mary, 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 Mary. Okay? <laughs> Okay, it's security stuff, you know, because tapes get around and it's not, it's dangerous. So Mary, you know, is a Mexican gal and we're sharing about how Hispanics and blacks are the appropriate mission force for the 22 Arabic countries from Morocco all the way across to Saudi Arabia, you know, and she got vision. She said, I will go, I will go to Casablanca. Okay, now I want to tell you Mary's background just so you see the zeal of the Lord of hosts, that it's God's zeal using normal people to change the world. Mary was actually in a Mexican drug gang. She lived in Mexico. She was a drug dealer. And she was actually in prison even. She has an eighth grade education, that's all, eighth grade, and was in prison for stabbing people in drug deals, you know. And she got saved. Uh, she got saved the first night she was out of prison. Um, she, there was a team from a church in Canada in Victoria, British Columbia, that was on a short-term outreach. They're preaching on the streets. Mary came forward, got radically saved, and gave her knife to them and still had blood on it. She had just stabbed someone like a half hour before, see? She gets radically saved. Why am I telling you this? To show you that if God can use people like that, just think what he could do through you, okay? And so Mary gets radically saved. You never know this. She's like Miss Holy Spirit today. She's just so sweet and nice. You never know she's like stabbing people and in prison in Mexico. Well, she goes to Casablanca. And the second or third day she's there, She's out in the city park, and she meets these two Muslim sisters who are twins. And they say, whoa, you're from Mexico. How great to have you in our country. What are you doing here? And Mary said, ah, I am a follower of Isa al-Masih, and I've come to share with you about the life of Isa al-Masih and what he can do in your country. And the two sisters said, ah, we don't want to hear that. We are followers of Allah. We don't want to know about Isa. And Mary said, ah, but, uh, but Isa is the one true God, and he has all the power in the universe. And they said, oh, your God has all the power in the universe, does he? And they said, can your God heal people? And Mary said, of course my God can heal people. They said, great, come to our house. <laughs> they said, because our mother, she is sick, and she has been sick for 16 years and has not been out of bed one time in 16 years. They said, we used to be rich, but now we are poor. We have given all of our money to the doctors. They couldn't help our mother. We've given all of our money to the mullahs to pray. They've prayed and Allah didn't help our mother. If Isa is the all-powerful God, come to our house and pray for our mother. Well, Mary told me, when she was telling me the story, she said, Fred, I was, she said, I thought, oh no, what have I gotten myself into? How do I get out of this? Because you know what? She said, Fred, I absolutely believe that God could do anything. I just didn't believe he could do anything through me. And isn't that our problem? <laughs> we believe God can do anything. We just don't believe he can do it through us because we know we're bozos. <laughs> we know we're sinners. We know all this stuff, see? But God uses normal people. It's the zeal of the Lord Almighty. So she goes to the house, and she said, all the way to the house, I'm trying to think, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? She goes upstairs and they bring her into the bedroom of the mother and there's the woman laying on the bed where she's been for 16 years. 
And Mary, and Mary said, Fred, I, det- I had a plan. She said, I knew I had to pray, but she said, I went over to lay my hands on the woman. And as I put my hands on her to pray, she said, I closed my eyes really tight because I wanted them to close their eyes tight too. And she said, once they closed their eyes, she said, I was going to run out of the house. <laughs> that was her whole plan. <laughs> Get them to close her eye- their eyes and then run out of the house. She said, I laid hands on the woman, I closed my eyes tight, and I peeked to see if their eyes were closed and their eyes were open really big because they wanted to see God do a miracle, see? She said, I knew I had to pray, but she said, as I started to pray, I was already trying to think of all the excuses I would give them for why their mother didn't get healed. So she said, when I was praying for the woman, I was thinking of excuses of why she wouldn't get healed. She said, I prayed not more than 10 seconds when suddenly the power of the Holy Spirit came in the room. The woman kind of jumped and she was instantly healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. She jumped up out of bed for the first time in 16 years. She began to run around the bedroom, you know, screaming because she's healed. She ran down the stairs, ran outside and was running around the house, you know, screaming because she was healed by the power of God. The two sisters got down on their knees in their mother's bedrooms and gave their hearts to Christ. They got radically saved. Then you know what they did? They were university students. They moved down with my friend John and are working with him to evangelize other Muslim university students in Morocco. See? Now this happened through a Mexican girl who has an 8th grade education who was stabbing people in drug deals. God uses normal people to change the world. When Mary was telling me the story, I said, Mary, Mary, what is the lesson you learned through this? She said, Fred, the scripture is true in 2 Timothy where it says, even if we are faithless, yet he still remains faithful. That's the message. That's the message of the word of God. It's the zeal of the Lord of hosts. Even if we are faithless and have no faith, God remains faithful. He's an awesome God who wants to do awesome things. What we need is more mission, more people willing to go and be used by God. Let me tell you one more Morocco story, okay? (laughs) Um, uh, We have an undercover YWAM base up here in Spain. I don't want to... Could you turn off the tape for one second? Is the tape off? It's not off. Can we turn off the tape for one second? Yeah, or just turn... Oh, or I can... Uh, 1994, every year all the leaders in YWAM that are focused on the unreached peoples, we gather together to pray and strategize. And you know what? In all of Northern Africa, in all of Muslim Northern Africa, from Morocco to Egypt, there are only 150 YWAMers, which isn't very much for the millions and millions of people. But you know what's sad, even more sad than that? We have more YWAMers there than in, as missionaries than every other missions organization combined, the number of missionaries. See, because Northern Africa, very few missionaries. So we gathered here at the YWAM base to strategize how do we get more YWAMers in Northern Africa so we can see more things happen, like with John and Mary. Because every place we have missionaries, uh, Muslims get saved. So we were there, and I said, hey, you guys, we're just only a one-hour ferry, a boat ride across the Strait of Gibraltar from Northern Africa. I said, why don't we go on a prayer journey, a prayer trip? Let's go across and get our feet right on the dirt of Northern Africa and pray that God would send more missionaries. 
And I said, it's just like Joshua 1.3, where God says, every place where I set your foot, I will give it to you. See, that's what the scripture says. Where you put your feet, I'll give it to you. Now, I'm a, one of my dear, dear friends is a guy named C. Peter Wagner, who's just an awesome guy in spiritual warfare, was a professor at Fuller Seminary and all sorts of things. And he said, Fred, one day I was looking at that scripture, and he said, I just knew there must be deep spiritual truth in Joshua 1.3. Every place on which you set your foot, I'll give it to you. He said, so I went to the Hebrew scholars at Fuller Seminary, and I said, would you look in the Hebrew and study this and tell me what's the deep spiritual truth? And they came back to him two days later, and they said, Peter, we've studied Joshua 1.3 in the Hebrew, and we're here to tell you exactly what it says in the deep spiritual truth. Everywhere on which you set your foot, I will give it to you. That's what it means. <laughs> and there's a spiritual principle in that. So, we got on the ferry, we went across to Tangiers, you guys, and we went into the center of town, and we found a Muslim guy, and we paid him money to be our guide. And I said, hey, take us out here to this tip of Africa right there, called Trafalgar Point. You guys, on every continent, there's what's called the cardinal points. They're the farthest points north, south, east, and west. Okay, that's what a map maker would call it. Okay, and so Trafalgar Point is the northwesternmost cardinal point of all of Africa. It's the farthest point north and west. And you guys, these cardinal points have spiritual significance. In the Bible, it talks about the four corners of the earth. The earth isn't square. God's talking about these cardinal points. There is a spiritual significance to them. So not only is this the northwestern cardinal point for all of Africa and Muslim northern Africa, it's the northwesternmost cardinal point of the entire 1040 window of unreached people. So I wanted to go there to pray. <laughs> so I said, take us out here to this point. Okay, so we get out to that point, you guys, and it was a lighthouse. You know, on the, and there was a fence, and they wouldn't let us go back uh, right to the very tip. And if you guys probably could tell, I'm kind of an extremist. I'm not normal. I'm kind of an extreme guy. So I wasn't satisfied to just stay at the fence and pray. I wanted to get on the very point of, of Trafalgar Point. And they wouldn't let us go back there, so I bribed the guard. <laughs> I bribed him. I'm confessing. <laughs> I'm, but I just want to tell you the principles of bribing. Okay, this might come in handy. First off, it's important to know, the Bible says, do not receive a bribe. It doesn't say, do not give a bribe. Okay? <laughs> That's important. <laughs> okay? <laughs> but if you do give a bribe, you must repent immediately. Because if they shoot you, you'll still go to heaven. Okay? So that's important. <laughs> so I bribed the guy, and he let us go around back. And I went right around, and I got on the very rock that was the tip of, most of the entire northwestern cardinal point of the 1040 window, and I stretched my hands out, and I began to pray as loud as I could pray. And I was praying Psalm 72, verse 8. It says this, He will rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And I said, My God will rule from the Atlantic behind me all the way across Muslim Northern Africa, all the way across the Middle East, all the way across Asia to the Pacific, my God will rule. That's the word of God. And I was praying that out. And then it says this, the desert tribes will bow before him. And I said, God, with my feet on the soil of Muslim Northern Africa, these desert tribes, God, I call out to you for the Tukalors 
and the Fulanis and the Wolofs, God. Go get them, God. Your word says all the desert tribes will bow. God, send missionaries. Come and do it, Lord. And then it says this. It says, all kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him. And I said, God, my feet are on the soil of Morocco. And King Hassan of Morocco hates your gospel. He hates the church. He hates Christians, persecutes Christians. Bibles are illegal. God, your word says all kings will bow. I said, God, go get them. <laughs> this was February of 1994. And just as I'm praying this as loud as I could, our guide comes around the corner. Now, he didn't know we were Christians, and he hears me praying, and he runs up to me. He runs up, he runs up. He goes, ooh, 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 no pray. No pray. Muslim country. <laughs> That's what he did. <laughs> but see, then he knew we were Christians because he heard me praying. And you know what he did then? He took us around the city. You know, we were going around the whole city just praying, prayer walking for the move of the Holy Spirit. And once he knew we were Christians, he kind of wanted to remind me that Northern Africa used to be Christian, that we, but we lost it. So he'd say, look at that. Do you see that mosque? It used to be a church. Ah, but we strong Muslims, ah, we took it away from you. He said, see that? That used to belong to Christians, but ah, we conquered you, you know, in the conquest. We took it from you, you weak Christians. See that? Used to be yours, now it's ours. Okay, he was doing that for about a half hour, and I couldn't take it anymore after a half hour because my spirit is filled with all the scriptures that our God will rule everywhere. So I just walked up to him, I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, hey, bro, let me tell you something. I said, Northern Africa was not always Muslim, and it will not remain Muslim. I said, my God, Isa al-Masih, is coming to rule and reign in Morocco and in all of Northern Africa. And I said, you want to know what my job is back in the United States? I train hundreds of missionaries to come to your country to preach the gospel. I said, so you better be watching your spiritual back, <laughs> you know? And his eyes got really big, you know? <laughs> This is what I call Christian terrorism, okay? <laughs> it's when you prophesy the truth of the word of God out in the nations, you know? And so he wanted to get, he was kind of, he didn't like that. So he wanted to get even with me for kind of telling him about the scriptures. So he took us to lunch, and we, when we went into this restaurant, there was a big sign that said, belly dancers, <laughs> And I didn't want to see the belly dancers, so I sat on a cushion facing the wall. But then out of the corner of my eye, I saw our guide talking to the owner of the restaurant and pointing to me. And I had no idea why he was doing that until three minutes later when the music started. And the belly dancer came out, and she came right up and put her belly against the back of my head as I'm sitting there, and she put her dress around my head, and she's dancing. <laughs> And then she turned me around on this cushion. She spun me around and is dancing two inches in front of my face, like na 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 na, like this, you know. And you guys, do you think, I was there with 20 other YWAM leaders, do you think my friends came to my rescue? No way. It's like, quick, get the cameras, you know, snap, snap, snap. Yeah. And they give cameras of this belly dancer, you know. So he was getting even with me. By now, I tell people this would not have been so bad if it was a young 20-year-old total babe belly dancer. 
But he wanted to kind of get even with me, so he went out and he found a 65-year-old belly dancer, okay? Now, some of us in this room are probably 65. It's a good age, but it's not a good age for belly dancers, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> she should have retired, you know, well before this. She was really old. She was a really large woman, so everything that could jiggle was jiggling, you know? And she smelled bad, okay? You have not lived until you've had you know, that right there, okay? See? <laughs> Why am I telling you this? So you can see, missions is not boring. <laughs> missions is not boring. All kinds of adventures. In fact, uh, when I got back to Colorado Springs, the church there supports me. They said, Fred, tell us about your trip to Morocco. And I'm telling them the story, you know. And I said, this is your mission dollar at work. <laughs> you know what happened? You know, that happened. And uh, you guys, uh, we had other awesome, awesome times in the country. We left the country. One month later, literally one month later, March of 1994, after I'd been praying this and everything, King Hassan goes to France. And in France, he gives an interview to a magazine. And in the magazine, he says, I have just begun to read the New Testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Bibles had been illegal in Morocco for 700 years. And in this interview, he says, this is the best book I've ever read. He said, the book of Mark, this is the most exciting thing I've ever read. He said, every Muslim should read this book. The nightly television news in Morocco saw the article and for an entire week they broadcast on the news, our king is reading the Bible. And he says, every Muslim should read it. And you guys, the people in Morocco were going, if the king says it's a good book, we should read it, but we can't read it because Bibles have been illegal in Morocco for 700 years. And there was such a demand by the people for Bibles that the government had to repeal the law banning the sale of Bibles. And for the first time in 700 years, Bibles became legal in Morocco. That's the kind of thing our God can do. Why don't you hear this on CNN? <laughs> They're telling you the bad news, not what God can do, you know? And you guys, literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Bibles flooded into the country. And after a period of time, the radical Muslims got so mad, they, they managed to get the law turned back. But you guys, God opened the door. The word of God got in. It's laying a foundation that now missionaries are building upon, like John and my friend Mary and everything else, and God is moving with great power. This is the kind of thing God can do through normal people. He wants to do it through you. He wants to do it on outreach. And you could even do it for the rest of your life if you want to, which I hope some of you do. Okay, we should take a break. Fred Margaret, uh, all on Morocco and what God's doing in Morocco. Well, it's pretty exciting what God is up to. And, uh, you know, don't miss our podcast coming up. We've got uh, more coming up about uh, things that are going on in Egypt and also things that are going on in a very closed country called Algeria. So don't miss that. And uh, also visit our other webcasts. We've got one called CalCast, the Creator International Podcast. It's all about what God's doing uh, in media, using media and the arts to reach out to unreached people. So uh, check that out. You can find it on CalCast in iTunes or podcast 
Valley, uh, whatever search engines you go to. So uh, please do check us out. And uh, if you have any comments to send to us, uh, you can email them to us at calcium at gmail.com. That's calcium at gmail.com. You'll find it in the show notes. And uh, what we're going to listen to now is a really exciting and wonderful and powerful uh, rocky Christian song from a band called Offering that are good friends of mine. And uh, they allowed us to to, uh, cast their music uh, on the internet. And uh, they're really serving the Lord. They love the Lord very much. And this song is called Cry for Freedom. And we need to cry out for the freedom of unreached peoples all over the unreached world. And I hope that's your heart as well. Listen to this and and pray and ask the Lord. Cry out to the Lord uh, of the harvest for the unreached peoples of the world that he would give you an inheritance among the unreached. (laughs) 